Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107, and I am joined today by my fabulous speedwalking co-host, Ryan Ireland. How you doing, Ryan? Hey, Andrew. Doing well. Thank you. And we're here to do another live stream where you guys can ask questions and interact with us. And I, I always love it when people, you know, chime in while we're doing it. So let, let's get right to it. I have... A philosophical scenario for you, Ryan. Okay. Right off the bat, I'm going to challenge you, okay? So I don't know if you've heard of Marvel's What If, but it's basically a show where they're like, well, what if this minor thing changed in the universe? How would things be different? And I'm sure you've heard about speculation like, what would the planet be like if dinosaurs still roamed the Earth? If they weren't mm-hmm. extinct and that kind of thing. You mean other than baby boomers? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yes, other than baby boomers. So what I want you to do is I want you to imagine a different world. So imagine a world where back in the the 90s, we had web development going on and there was PHP that was running on the server to generate our personal homepages. And imagine, instead of JavaScript being invented in seven days or whatever that ridiculous story is, the guy who wrote it said, you know what? This PHP thing is already running. Why don't I run PHP in the browser? So imagine that world is there because there is a large rift in front-end development now where there's one side that is using, and this has been noted by Chris Coyer, and everyone's seen it, where you've got people that are doing nothing but JavaScript. They're doing React, they're doing Vue, and they don't think anything else exists, right? They, they don't think CSS, HTML, they think those are both just sort of artifacts that are generated by the JavaScript, and it's JavaScript on the front end, it's JavaScript on the server, and it's just nothing but JavaScript. And then you have the rest of the world where they're coming from a more traditional server rendered background where, you know, like craft CMS as a PHP app, it renders stuff in PHP. A lot of us who are writing are using a templating language. So for instance, in craft CMS, it would be twig. If it's Totamic, it would be antlers. If it was Laravel, it would be blade mm-hmm. on the front end. It's JavaScript is what is there. So this is weird thing. And that's where a lot of the tension is. And that's where frameworks are starting to exist. So I think it originally came from Phoenix. It was called live something or other. And then Caleb Porzio came up with Livewire for Laravel. And basically it's a fancy way to have some JavaScript on the front end, but it mostly just loads partials from the back end, like the HTML rendered. In the craft world, there's Sprig to kind of do the same thing so that you can write in Twig and you can dynamically load stuff in from the back end and load that HTML in. So the reason why they're doing all this stuff is they want the dynamicism on the front end, but it's a pain in the ass to have it where you've got one language on the front end and another language on the back end, and they both want to render stuff and they both want state. And it's just a, it's a pain in the ass. And we've all felt it. The more JavaScript you use, the more you feel it when you're using some of these back end languages. So I want you to imagine a world where PHP runs in both places. So PHP is the language that is blessed. This would be called isomorphic PHP. The idea is isomorphic basically just means the same code runs in different places. Mm -hmm. So it would run on the client, it would run on the server. There would be no need to do any of this kind of weird stuff that we're doing now, like loading partials and using Livewire and using Sprig, you know, that type of thing. All right, you take it even further. Let's say we're using Twig is our language that we're rendering our web pages in. If Twig ran in the browser, just natively ran in the browser, our problem is solved. Okay. What well, is it? I'm asking, I mean. Uh, I mean, I guess, uh, like it's all. All right, thanks for showing up, Ryan. Just... 
<laughs> I'm just trying to think. All were, I mean, there's a couple of things to address. One is these sprinkle tools, like you're talking about with Sprig in the craft world, and then Alpine JS and yeah, a Petite View, which yeah. we we're talking about. And those are almost like little bridge tools that make it easy for people that are doing traditional server rendered pages to have the same and like an easy way of getting client side code to, to do what they want. Right. That's at least my like would be how I would describe it. Right. And what I'm saying is if you could but have you're saying Twig, if everything was in the on the client side and we Yeah. If whatever you used on no. the server side, let's say it's Twig, it could be Twig, it could be PHP, it could be whatever. If that thing mm -hmm. also ran in the browser, this solves a massive problem. This solves the problem of interactivity, but also server rendering. And it solves the, the issue of two totally different things, wanting to control rendering and the state of stuff. Yeah, that's true. Although, doesn't it introduce other problems that, that you would already see if you're building like a full a fully front-end client-side application, where just managing and, and getting the data from the server, from wherever the, the data source is, well, but, what I'm saying is yeah. it would be isomorphic in that it would run both places. Right. So okay. you're I guess I feel your... like we're just kind of rearranging the, the deck chairs a little bit. Well, but... the, the point is using one language, all of your stuff runs on the server, and then using the same language, that same stuff runs in the browser, right? So it will run the exact same thing client side as server side. That solves mm -hmm. a massive problem in terms of who controls the state, who renders stuff, how do we get data, how do we right. translate data from one language to another, and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, I don't feel like I'm performing very well in your thought experiment, but yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. So let, let's get a comment from someone who is awake. So Matt Wilcox says, front-end feature versus back-end features are very different though. The APIs, latencies, et cetera, et cetera, language contract. Yes. No, I understand that. Like they might be doing different things on the client and they might be doing different things on the server, but still the idea that we could have, let's say a component that it can render itself on the server, and then it can also render itself on the front end, and then it can respond to user input or data and change state. That would be a huge game. And it, there still would be always parts of the app that might be server-side code only, like that could be a thing. And there might be some things that are mm -hmm. only client-side, but that is one of the big problems these days in writing applications that are using significant amount, amounts of JavaScript on the front end and a server rendered backend like Craft or Laravel or whatever, is that you render all this stuff. You, you've got all your, you got your component system and you render all the stuff and you wanna render it so that the page loads quickly so that as soon as they request the page, it's there. And they, you don't have right. to run JavaScript or all that stuff. But then you also want to have components on the front end so that when stuff changes or there's user input or you know whatever kind of reactivity you need, that that's going to work too. And I think it really solves a lot of problems if you do have the same model on the client and in the server and allow for transitioning back and forth between these things. And that's effectively, this is kind of what Sprig is doing and it's kind of what Livewire is doing too. Except the, the difference is that you really can't run PHP in the browser. So instead of actually running it in the browser, we're sending off a request somewhere, letting the server render the thing, and then putting it back into the browser, right? But there's no reason right. if PHP or if Twig ran in the browser, there's no reason you couldn't just be like, okay, render this stuff here, as opposed to go back to the server, render the stuff here, and then bring it back into the browser as HTML. So yeah. And I follow you. I mean, I know it's a thought experiment, but I think about 
the progress, the speed of progress in browsers adopting new technology. And one of the advantages that we've had with doing everything server side is that we're not at the mercy of the browser being the, the controlling point, sort of the, the bottleneck for everything. Right. Um, and again, I'm conceptually, not... yeah, I, I agree. And that's the advantage of the JavaScript world is that they, they can do everything in the browser. So they're, they're not worrying about, right. you know, they basically don't have one foot on the dock and one in the boat and they're solely doing a split. Right. What it feels like sometimes when you're using something like Petite View or Alpine or even just vanilla JavaScript, it does feel like you're, you can't decide. Yeah, or, it feels or, messy. or even Sprig too. I mean, I guess my point in yeah, saying, yeah. yeah, my point in saying this is that I think it's important to to keep in mind what the pain points are here, and I don't want to get hung up on the idea of well, you don't want everything running in the browser because I'm not saying that the whole application is going to run in the browser. We're talking about isomorphic code where the same mm -hmm. code base can run in both places, but you're not necessarily doing the same thing in both places. So right. don't think of it as, well, we have to worry about whatever features the browser supports because you can still render as much as you want server side and hydrate only as much as you need client side. But the idea that you can have it in an isomorphic way so that the same code can run in both places. And maybe it's just the code for your components that run in the same mm -hmm. place, right? So they can mm -hmm. pre-render for the initial request and then they can render again on the front end. And then maybe you've got other server-side code that does other stuff that is never going to run on the front end. But you're, you're getting okay. at what I was trying to kind of lead to in all of this. So if we did have Twig that ran on the back end and also could run on the front end, which is sort of kind of mm -hmm. what Sprig is trying to trick you into having happen. If you had something that did that, then you would have no need for something like Sprig and you would have probably no need for even JavaScript and it would greatly simplify your model. So if you, if you have been using Sprig, so Alex Brinley says that Sprig is fantastic. He's been using it a lot in his current build. And I think that's the nice thing about Sprig is that it does bring these reactive capabilities and this interactivity to front-end developers without them having to do a whole lot. Um, it basically is kind of similar to Livewire in a way. And the way that it works is it will render fragments of HTML on the server and then pull them back in and re-render the DOM with those new things in the DOM. So this is again something that if we had the capability to run Twig in both places, we would never use Sprig. Like there would be no point in having it at all because we could just render the new stuff in Twig on the front end. And where I was leading to with all of this is trying to get people that are more traditional developers in that they're used to backend languages like PHP or Laravel or, yeah, sorry, obviously Laravel is PHP, or Twig or Blade or say Antlers or whatever these server rendered things are to get people to understand what a lot of the appeal of JavaScript is for web development. And one of the big gains that a lot of people are seeing, whether they're using a framework or not, is that they use the same language on the server and the same language on the front end, and not just the same language, they use what's called isomorphic JavaScript, which means the same code runs on the back end to render their component, the exact same code run renders on the front end to render their component, and the front end is what picks up, picks it all up in terms of uh, the process is called hydration, where it brings the state in, and then the front end can interact with the user on their browser. And I think this is just a massive advantage that we should keep in mind that even if we're not immersed in that ecosystem of JavaScript is everything, this is a massive advantage that you have in that you have one language to get really good at and you have one code base that you can write that runs in both places. Like that, that is huge. 
What do you think? I agree. And I was going to ask you what led to this thought experiment, but I think you kind of explained that you've been thinking about the difference between the two worlds. Have you have you been working a lot in JavaScript applications recently? Or Well, I've been writing probably more TypeScript than anything else yeah. recently. Uh, although I've, uh, I've been doing some plugin updates, so there's been a decent bit of PHP that's been going on too. Right. I think a lot of this is just stuff that has been going on for so long that you know ever since i started using vue and started doing more and more front-end stuff it's been an issue where it is very contentious and it's a pain in the ass quite frankly to render stuff in twig and try to come up with some kind of a component system which honestly twig is not it's not great for components <laughs> like it's really just not a wonderful language to use for that but to do that in twig and then also to have interactivity even basic stuff like a load more button on the front end, well, then you get got to be using JavaScript or Vue or you know something like that, and then you end up writing code over there. Now, mm -hmm. this is where Sprig is something that people are liking because it makes it so they don't have to write any JavaScript, right? It's essentially right. trying to give you what I was imagining before with, with Twig running in the back end and the front end. It's kind of like trying to trick you into the fact that you you can run this Twig in the front end even though it's not really happening. So. It's been a source of tension because I've been writing stuff using, I've been using more and more Vue, but then it becomes more and more a pain in the ass in terms of who owns the state, who renders the thing. Right. Are we really just going to duplicate this code? We don't want there to be fout where there's no content, or, or sorry, fout where there's no content rendered on the page until JavaScript loads. So we really want the server side render to deliver the page and then the front end to pick up the interactivity from there. So it's been a source of tension using Craft CMS as a backend, and but it could be anything, right? It could be any backend system. And then trying to make something more app-ish or more interactive on the front end. And I realized that Sprig is something that is kind of trying to bridge the gap. And it, it may be for a lot of things, it may be the kind of thing where like, okay, this is good enough. You know, I just need simple right. interactions. No big deal. Where I'm trying to lead to in this is just to try to get people to understand people who are not fully immersed in JavaScript is the world, you know, why some people are adopting it in that way. And it's because of JavaScript superpower of being able to be run in the browser and with node or even Dino these days with TypeScript, being able to run it in the back end. So you can run the same code in both places. And Alex, Alex Brindley says, Ugh, please no, because I'm going to put it up here. So Matt Wilcox says, so Craft4 is, has no JS rewrite, the first great <laughs> JavaScript CMS. I'll tell you what, man, it's not going to happen, but I would not care at all if that happened. I would be like, fine. I don't care what this thing is written in, you know? Plus that the, the trend is the sanity type of model, yeah. right? And then you just, you're still writing your, your JavaScript app for the front end, but you're using the back end to do all the content management. Yeah. And again, they sidestep that issue of who renders what, because it is all JavaScript that renders everything. Right. I mean, it's just, it's a React app. That's what it is. So right. again, I'm just trying to get people to understand if you are used to writing stuff in Twig or maybe even PHP or some other server rendered language, and then it becomes annoying or painful to use some of these front end frameworks, understand that a lot of that pain is the juxtaposition of the two things that want to render stuff and the two things that want state. If there was something, and you know, it, it happens to be that it's JavaScript, but it could be anything. If there was something that worked on the server and on the client, whether it's Twig or Blade or Antlers or PHP or whatever it is, 
it makes a lot of that a lot easier. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of people are real into this whole JavaScript thing, because they can they can do all the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trendiness aside, for sure. There's a reason behind it. And I don't think it's good enough just to be, not that you are, I know you're not, to be dismissive of JavaScript only apps. Yep. Because honestly, like the decision, JavaScript had the advantage because it already lived in the browser going back, I don't know, two decades. Yeah. But the movement with React, especially, I mean, React is gigantic. Yeah. It's, it dwarfs even Vue in terms oh, yeah, of its, by far. Its, its adoption rate. By a lot. Yeah. Um, even though Vue, like I think in you know, people we know, Vue is probably maybe more popular than React, but it's, it's all about whatever orbit you're in. Yeah. But I think that ship has already sailed on the JavaScript side, being the isomorphic language that mm. would be used for right now. And purely because we are at the mercy of the browser developers, people that create the browsers. Uh, the, the process for getting a new, new support for a new spec, a new feature in a browser, it's it's a long process to get that stuff in. And not only is it a long process, it has to get in through into all of the browsers as well. Yep. So you have uh, full support. So you basically would have to, to meet that that same challenge with, with any new isomorphic language that would be run both in the browser and on the server side. And so JavaScript was already in the browser. So obviously it, it kind of made sense that then the server side stuff is easier because it's decentralized. You don't, you're not, you don't have to go to some, like a handful of authorities and ask to have this feature or that feature built in. Yeah. You just add it. And to be fair, Alex said, oh, please no, when, when Matt was talking about <laughs> JavaScript CMS. rewriting it, uh, a JavaScript uh, CMS. So I want to put that up there. But yeah, it, and uh, I saw Matt made a comment about my internet. I'd like everyone to know that it's a combination of things with the internet. If anybody's watching on the live stream, though, that's what's No, it's just, it's Ryan. Um, it's all Ryan. It's 100% Ryan. No, it's don't don't Ryan. listen to him. Good internet. So Matt so, Wilcox says, I'd be down for writing some native web components in JavaScript. And yeah, so that's that's exactly the point. So for mm -hmm. instance, you can render the web components server side, deliver the rendered web component, and then just instantiate it on the front end and kind of away you go. You don't have to be using these frameworks. They do make a lot of things easier and a lot of things nicer. One of the mm -hmm. really cool things in Vue 3.2 that they added is that you can use Vue components to just make regular old web components, which I think is really mm -hmm. cool. So you can use Vue's reactivity system but what it spits out in the end is a regular old web com component that you can just use, which I, I think is really neat. I'm not saying that you should drop everything and forget about Twig, forget about PHP, forget about Blade. <laughs> I'm not saying that you got to get, because look, this stuff is going to be around forever. You know, PHP, Ruby, there's just so, there's so much code. These things are going to be around for absolutely forever. All I'm trying to say is that if you want some inkling of why there is so much momentum behind the whole JavaScript is everything push or ecosystem or whatever, I think a big part of it is the isomorphic code. You write the code and the same thing runs in both places. You got one thing to maintain. One thing I can tell you about having split code bases because I've done cross-platform stuff before is it sucks. It's awful trying to retain feature parity between the two. And if you're not going to do that, then you're left with that kind of weird thing where you're like, okay, well, who's going to do what part of the state? Who's going to render this and who's going to do that? And you, you have that conflict and it just ends up being a royal pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, and now you know why everybody's moving to Electron app. 
Right. Well, yeah, right. Exactly. There are even, I think, like one password. They had yeah. native right. Mac apps and they're just like, no, screw this. Like we're, we're going to a single unified code base and they wrote it in JavaScript with Electron. And then uh, the, the core of it is in written Rust. in Rust. Right. Yeah. But it, yeah. So I would say that yeah, I don't think it's I don't think the server render stuff is going away. Obviously, there's technology is controlled by momentum, both in what's what you know is introduced as new and also what remains around. PHP has been around for years. And if anything, Laravel created a resurgence of PHP yes. and a, a wider adoption of it. Yeah. So I would say that that wave is, has yet to crest. And it, it may not because they're continue, continuously innovating. However, everyone that is working only server-side technology right now should be curious and dabble in and at this point, it's basically JavaScript and pick a framework and learn it because it's always it's better to be to be nimble than and to be able to adjust as things adjust than it is to not. Yeah. So, well, and that's one more. ability that at least currently JavaScript has and nothing else does. But it's in the biggest platform in the world. The, what, the browser is the biggest platform in the world yep. and JavaScript is there. Now there is Wasm and in theory, you could start writing stuff in Go or Rust and you could build Wasm and you could have isomorphic Wasm that's running on the server mm -hmm. that's also running in the browser. In theory, that's a thing. It's not really practical for a whole lot of things currently. It's very practical for some things. Don't get me wrong. I think it's fantastic. But currently it's JavaScript and yeah. all I'm suggesting. So there's way more to the JavaScript ecosystem and why it's taken off than just that it runs in both places. I'm hammering this home because it is the one thing that none of these other server languages are ever going to be able to do very likely, you know, so that's a superpower that's really hard to overcome. I mean, yeah, Laravel is fantastic for doing custom app kind of stuff. But when you start to get any kind of front end heaviness at all, you know, it ends up being a real pain in the ass. And then you end up with these kind of patchwork solutions like Livewire kind of make it so that you run PHP in the browser, but really you're, you've got a shim in the browser and it goes to the back end, And uh, so you've got essentially a thin client. I, I just think it's something to keep in mind. So some other advantages to JavaScript is some of these frameworks are pretty amazing and they're geared towards doing front-end interactivity. Vue and React, especially React, is a lot simpler than a lot of people make it out to be. It has However, a reputation for being difficult to learn and, and use. Well, I think there's less to learn if you are learning React than there is to learn if you're learning Vue. But Vue is a little bit less programmatic in that you kind of got this template thing and you've got, and then you've got a little bit of code to make the single file component work with a little bit of CSS. I think that part of it is also that web developers, a lot of them came from being designers and then they started gradually learning just a little bit that they needed to mm -hmm. do these things. Whereas if you're going to be doing stuff like React, like you're, you're just in JavaScript. And right. there are plenty of React developers I know that everything is in a JSX or MDX file and they never open a CSS file. They never open an HTML file. They may not even know what the HTML on their website looks like. They may have no clue, right? I mean, they're just writing it in JSX and JavaScript is the world. And I, there is something compelling about writing a single file component where everything that you need is right there, but it is more complicated than doing, you know, just writing some HTML and throwing some CSS in there and all that kind of good stuff. I, I'm certainly not suggesting that JavaScript is going to take over the world. I'm just suggesting that there are reasons why 
it is growing as rapidly as it is. And one of the big ones, at least in my opinion, is that it runs in both places. You can have that single isomorphic code that it will handle rendering it on the server and rendering it in the browser. And the, even the idea of like server-side render Ryan may be something that goes away from the point of view that like we already have virtualized servers, but it may be a renderer that does it as opposed to a server that does it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, so for instance, Vercel, has a, a concept for, I think they call it, I forget what it's called. Anyway, the way that it works is it's very similar to the way PHP works. So a request comes in for a page, it will look for the cached version of the page and if it has it, it'll return it. And if not, it will run the JavaScript code to render that page and then deliver it. And it works instantly. It's like it's like a server side pre-render or something like that is what they're calling it. So but isn't the server like, it's all like uh, edge servers and stuff? Yeah, well, that's the cool thing is these are edge servers that are living near wherever the person requesting it is, right? So that's why oh. I'm saying like the concept of a server rendering stuff may morph into just being a renderer. You know, it's like this thing running somewhere that does whatever it needs to do to render the thing. And that may happen for PHP as well as for any of these other languages, right? Like we went from having a physical server where we had accounts on there that we could go in and we had shared hosting where, you know, one site could screw up the other site. And then we went to VPS hosting where we can have our own little VPS that's insulated from the world, but it's still our little server. And yep. now some of these offerings from Netlify and Vercel and some other places, AWS Fargate is another example that's mm -hmm. Docker related, but anyway, where there is no server. There's just like, here's your thing. Like, this is the thing that renders stuff. And if you've heard of Lambda functions, you know, that's another little renderer thing. Yep. So all I'm saying is the thing that renders it is maybe just going to be a renderer that lives somewhere. Yeah, that makes sense. And Alex, so the problem with everything being client side is you're applying to client devices that match your own work as well as intent. Well, that, but that's not what I'm saying, though. I'm saying that it would be the code would be isomorphic. So you can have as much run on the server as you want, and you can have just the things running on the client that need to run on the client, like the components that need to be interactive. That could be the part that runs on these low end devices, or it could be nothing. Like I, I have written entire websites in nothing but JavaScript, and it delivers almost no JavaScript to the client. Like it's a static render of the page. It just happens to be using JavaScript instead of PHP as the rendering engine that produces the HTML and the CSS. So there's, I'm not saying the entire application is going to be client side or that you are relying on the client device entirely. Because I agree, if that was a significant problem with early JavaScript sites is that they just took the entire thing and they shoved it down the wire and then you're sitting here on your little 3G phone and the thing wants to explode at what it's trying to do, you know? And that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying everything runs on the client. I'm saying the same code can run on the server or the client in the case of things like component or whatever little bits are needed. Yep, that makes sense. You mentioned WebAssembly yep. or WASM, and uh, you sent me a photo the other day. I asked <sighs> you what you were gonna be reading on your vacation. And one of the books there was a WebAssembly book. And I, I was disappointed that you were reading technology books while on vacation. Look, man, you keep moving the goalposts. What's the deal? Oh, first it was just read a book, and now I'm moving well, it to... First, you, you shame me for not reading, okay? And oh, and then, oh, meanwhile, I do read, like, kids' books, okay? I read about, you know, everybody poops and all that stuff, okay? <laughs> I read that 
Just but I'm yourself. like, okay. Because your kids are older. But I'm like, okay. Here, here, Ryan. Here's some books. I got some That's books what you here. Said. Okay, so yep. I got test-driven development book, and I've got yep. the art of WebAssembly. And I said, you asked me what was I going to read on my vacation that I'm going on in like four or five days, and I sent you this photo, and I, I figured you'd be like, oh, you'd be, I'm proud of you, Andrew. You're actually reading a book, but no, it was nothing but disappointment. <laughs> nothing but disappointment. Are you German, Ryan? What's going on? I'm not. But um, okay, so so WebAssembly, test-driven development. I've I'm in a lot of conversations with you every day throughout weeks and weeks. So I know kind of like those are two things that you've been interested in. Yeah. And I assume you're reading those because you probably don't feel like you know enough about them yet, and you're and this is like you kind of diving in a little bit deeper. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but why do it on vacation though? Why not just completely remove yourself from all technology, all technology thinking, and just read like, uh, you know, Henry David Thoreau or something? You want me to read Dostoevsky? You want me to read Crime and Punishment or something? If you read Dostoevsky, then I'll be super impressed. I have read in my um, day, I have read plenty of Dostoevsky and I, and Crime and Punishment was one of my favorite books. I really enjoyed it. Now, the fact that I haven't yeah. picked the book book up for 20 years, like don't don't <laughs> give me any crap. But I, I used to read a lot of those books. In fact, I, I ordered this like 100 greatest books ever written thing where you get the hardbound editions of oh, cool. the 100 greatest. books, And they're all, you know, it's somewhat subjective, but they're all really good books. You know, they're yeah, they're awesome. they're. Right. Everything you've heard about. So I own those. I've got all of those. I haven't read them all. I mean, I've come, I've read a bunch of them, but not, not all of them. Moby yeah. Dick was another, I really enjoyed revisiting Melville, you know, mm -hmm. for instance, I thought that was, that was really fun. But here's the thing, man, you're kind of telling me you're going on vacation. You are not allowed to read that book. You must vacation the way that I vacation. Is that fair? I don't know how don't, fair that is. I don't is. vacation, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I get a certain sense of burnout if I don't give my brain a chance to ponder other things or do other things. It's the reason that I, I really enjoy doing like my own yard work is because it forces me to get into something that is manual labor, but also not something that I do all day long. Okay. I, and I, I always that. think about a vacation as being something different, but maybe it's just me just kind of being nostalgic for like sitting on a beach and, and reading a, a summer reading pick or something like yeah. that. But, so, but you you do you. Don't worry about what I'm So Matt I'm Wilcox judging. is much more open-minded than you are. He says, read whatever re-energizes you, whatever that is. I mean, uh -huh. whereas Ryan is like, no, what you're planning to do is not good enough. Let me. I'm going to go further with this, Ryan, since you gave me so much grief <laughs> for this. Let's say you were going on vacation somewhere and I said, all right, Ryan, go out every night and get go to the club and get blasted every night and you're like oh that's not that's not really how i enjoy my vacation i just want to like mm -hmm. chill out. I'm like, but you're on vacation ryan you should be partying right <laughs> would that be fair it wouldn't be but i i don't i agree with the whole premise <laughs> i don't have anything else to say Okay. Okay. But you're saying that these books are no good for me because I should be doing something totally outside of tech. I didn't even, say even, that. even though, even though maybe I would get some kind of satisfaction and enjoyment out of reading these, you're saying it's not good enough. I got to do what well, Ryan wants me to this. do. Okay. Yeah. As an example, you like to go on what almost daily hikes. Yes, sir. right. And you don't bring, you don't browse your phone the whole time you're on your hikes, do you? Um, depends. I, a lot of times I play Pokemon Go when I'm on the hike. So, you know, if there's a okay. little Pokemon running but around, I might catch them. But do you let your mind kind of wander? Is it a place for you to kind of work through things or let ideas yeah. come to you? Right. Yeah. And so I'm thinking about the same thing is doing something adjacent to what you do every day yeah. to kind of like open up new, new pathways and, and new thinking. 
That's it. I get it. I understand. And like when I'm going on my hikes, sometimes I don't listen to anything. Sometimes I listen Mm -hmm. to music. Sometimes I listen to podcasts. If I listen to podcasts, it's almost always something non-tech. So it would be like um, a lot of times MMA stuff I'll listen to. I know you love. I know that's one of your favorite things in the world. One thing I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I I wanted to I wanted to claw back to something real quick. Yep. So you know I mentioned Moby Dick, right? The book. Mm -hmm. So. Jonathan Melville, who's someone who sometimes is on here as a a co-host and is a fellow Mm -hmm. craft developer, who incidentally is someone that has moved over to the JavaScript is everything perspective where he's Mm -hmm. not doing no twig no more. Everything is in Nuxt and in view components in JavaScript. Also, Patrick Harrington, who is a co-host on here, also has moved over to Nuxt where JavaScript is everything and view components. Just saying, you know, that relates to the thing we're talking about before. There are a number of people that have run into the same issues that I'm talking about in terms of using one language on the server, another one on the client, and just said, you know, enough's enough. I'm going to have one and it's going to be JavaScript and I'm going to be using Nuxt and Vue. You could be using React and Next.js or Gatsby or whatever. But the point is simplify, simplify and build on top of the stack. But anyway, Jonathan Melville mentioned to me at one point when we're talking that he is somehow related to Moby. The Have you ever heard of the artist and musician Moby? Yeah. Okay. So you're going to say Herman Melville, but anyway, right, go ahead. Right. So I was just like, oh, really? I didn't know that. So his, yeah, his actual name is Richard Melville Hall, Moby. And I'm like, oh, that must be where the name Moby came from. And Jonathan was just like, I never even thought of that because they're both related to Herman Melville. Oh, they are. Okay. So his name Moby comes from the fact that Herman Melville wrote Moby Dick. So that's where the name Moby comes from. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I haven't listened to Moby in a long time. I'll throw that on for some some coding later. I don't really know if I've ever listened to Moby either. But you're saying you're talking about getting doing your own yard work and stuff, doing that kind of thing. When I get out of here, mm-hmm. when I'm done with a podcast, I'm doing a yard project with my son. So he's been building his own trail through the woods. So I'm going to get in there and chainsaw some stuff for him. And then also nice. we've got a, a hammock that previously had I've been using those tree safe things where you kind of wrap around the tree and they use that to hang the hammock. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about? It's like mm-hmm. it's just a strap yeah. that goes around it. Well, yeah. that, that ended up kind of falling apart. So I'm just decided to screw the tree and I'm literally just going to screw some dead bolts like right into the tree to, to mount the thing. The tree's going to be fine. Don't worry. The tree It'll will be, be okay. But so yeah, I'm going to leave be... the hammock. Do you leave the straps up? Is that why they got weathered? And then... Yeah, I guess it's probably not yeah. what I was supposed to do, but... No, they're not really made for that, but that's okay. But yeah. you... You go ahead and, and tap. Hey, do you have do you have maple trees on your property? We mostly have black locust, which apparently they were used. They're so tall and such a hard wood that they were used for making the masts of ships and stuff like oh, that. Oh, wow. Speaking of Herman Melville. So Caroline yeah. is saying, just make sure you don't listen to Moby on social media. Honestly, I don't know if I have ever oh. listened to a Moby song or not. Like, I just don't know. I might have. It's not, not on my playlist or anything. I'm what Moby says on social media. Yeah. And also, I don't care whatsoever what Moby does or says on social media. Caroline, can you just like <laughs> summarize it so I don't have to go on Twitter? Oh, God. No, make Ryan go on Twitter. Don't summarize anything. Don't summarize oh, wait, anything. Mo- at Moby is an open source project to advance the software containerization movement yeah. and help the ecosystem take containers mainstream. Yeah. The Moby project. That's, that's the Moby. Anyway, I will pick some kind of quote unquote normal book, like some fiction book, and maybe I'll bring that along too, Ryan. Okay. I'll let you know what I end up reading. I am going to finish a book on this vacation though. If it doesn't happen, it's because my kids were driving me crazy and I couldn't read, right? That's the only thing. 
I, that's the only thing I could think that could end up happening. You tell your kids what my parents told me when we were on vacation. Go outside and play. Yeah. Leave me alone. Well, we're going to Cape Cod and we're going to be within walking distance of the beach. And Good. part of me wants to be like, just go like ride your bike or walk oh. to the beach, go do your thing. But on the other hand, I'm like, I don't really want my kids in the ocean without me being there. You know what I mean? Because th there are these things called riptides and uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll just tell what? them don't go in the water unless we're there. <laughs> so Caroline had give some. Oh, you're just obsessed on this. All right, but the, I just like I, I'm so disconnected from. Anything well, stay like, disconnected then. <laughs> yeah, but no, I'm just kind of Look, she's saying right. just. She said just don't follow him on social media, and you already were not. This is like my son no, when I say yeah, well, don't, I don't touch don't, the don't, burning hot flame, and he's like, I well, mean, I wasn't touching it, but now I'm going to. Like, you know what I mean? What are you doing? All right. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Moving on. Thank you for the warning, Carolyn. Yeah. Caroline. Uh, thank you for letting me know. Yeah. So right. the other thing I wanted to m mention real quick is that on our last discussion, we talked about when to use Vite and when to use Webpack. And I mentioned mm -hmm. that one of the reasons would be if you have an old code base, then I would reach for Webpack because it just works well. Unless you're into suffering. Unless you're into <laughs> suffering. But what I found out is that Vite actually probably should have worked for the Europa Museum project all along. And it's as simple and this is the, as the Graph CMS sample project. That correct. Which I, yeah. I converted the Spoken Chain, which is an e commerce site, over to Docker and Vite. And then I converted the Europa Museum project over to, originally I tried Vite, but I ran into a whole bunch of problems. So I converted that over to Docker and Webpack. And then uh, Cavill Blood is someone that is using my Vite plugin with Craft, and he was running into an issue very similar to what I ran into with the Europa Museum, which is that when you try to import an old CommonJS library, it would error and say that uh, default is not defined. And we're not yeah. going to get into the whole difference, but there, there basically are different JavaScript module formats, one of which came out of Node, which is CommonJS. And then there is the standardization for the browsers, which is ES modules, which now Node, has, a... as of Node 12, Node has adopted ES modules as well. So everyone is unifying behind that. You're going to say? It's the new, it's the new future. Yeah. Uh, I was going to send the, you also sent me this, but I found it when I was, when I was researching some ES module stuff, but there's a, we'll put a link to the Mozilla article, the cartoon yeah. deep dive. Which yeah, that's a great article. It's a great article if you want to know more about it. But the long and the short of it is that in the Vite config for the input where you say, you know, where, where is the starting point for this particular project? If you're doing a JavaScript project, that input is going to be implicit. It's going to be just the HTML file and everything will just work. When you're using something like Craft, you have to specifically tell it, this is the JavaScript that I want on this page. And I was doing that as slash source slash JS slash app.js apparently mm -hmm. and i don't know why having that leading slash there causes the built-in common js plugin in vite to screw up and not work so all i had to do was put a little dot in front of that where it's dot slash so it's basically saying the current directory and everything just works and this is something that cavill blood helped me uncover and then I went, I'm like, huh, I wonder if that's what caused the issues with this Europa project. And I went back and I was very rapidly able to get the whole project up and running in Vite by just by putting a dot in front of the input, wow. import, which is crazy. I don't know why. I know that a tenant of Vite is that it does not try to do anything with absolute paths. So maybe that's what was going on here. I, d I don't really know. It doesn't make complete sense to me. But just changing that one thing allowed me to get that up and running 
in Veet, which is kind of cool. It's something Andrea, I know she's here in the chat. She had wanted to see that up and running in Veet. So I got that converted over. After I figured this out, so I want to backtrack a little bit on me saying that if you got an old code base, use Webpack. Vite is a lot more viable for older code bases than I gave credit to. There probably still mm -hmm. are more edge cases that Webpack handles well, but Vite is looking more and more attractive. I mean, I was able to retrofit it on both of these two sites that came from completely different people, completely different patterns of working, as I think you, you noted. And I was able to convert them both over with the HMR and all that lovely stuff. The only problem I ran into in converting that Europa project over was there was a circular reference. So basically, imagine file A imports file B, but file B also imports file A. <laughs> so mm -hmm. how do you resolve that? That's what's called a circular reference. So I ended up working around that, and it was a very minor thing that I ended up working around it, and it ended up being that he wasn't even using that code anymore anyway. <laughs> so yeah. there was no point in me fixing it, even though I fixed the, the circular import. But I just wanted to mention that because Vite has been really great. And this affects you because I think it that does. some of the some of the modules, like you were working on renovating CraftQuest with Vite, some of the modules like Axios that were common JS and the advice that I gave you was just, hey, just use something else. You could have just, just used it. You could have just used it. Yeah, no, I had to abandon some things. But now I'm going to try that. I actually just... Yeah. I just merged into master before this live stream, so I'm probably not going to introduce it yet. <laughs> well, why um, go back, but, though? If you're already using fetch, yeah. why go back to Axios, man? No, no, not, not that, but just I'm going to try the, the dot slash and then see if I, if I yeah. can reintroduce something. Yeah. Because there's also all sorts of workarounds to, to get even the older stuff work. It would work, but it, I'd have to look at my code again. Oh, my God. I, ben Croker says he's late to the party. Ben, re-listen to this podcast when we publish it, because the beginning was all about you and Sprague and... All that kind of stuff. I'm serious. That's true. Ben Ben Croker. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna find the the first part of it pretty interesting, I think. Yep. But in any event, so I thought that was pretty cool that Vite was far more capable than I gave it credit for. I was aware of the common JS plugin, but I thought it was something that you had to manually use. Right. But you don't. Like apparently it just tries to figure it out itself. And I think what was going on is because what we were giving it was an absolute path, Vite says, oh, absolute paths, I don't mess with those. Like, I'm just going to pass it in just as it is. So I think you don't get some of the shims that will try to do this magic behind the scenes for you, I think is what it ends up being. Interesting. I'll have to try that. And Ben is asking, so I'll put, I'll put this back up. He says, late to the party, streaming on a Thursday. Yeah, I know. It's tomorrow. I'm actually doing... <laughs> I'm doing another thing where I'm taking the day off tomorrow and taking my kids to Six Flags Great Adventure. So they're going to go out and they're going to eat all sorts of horrible food. You're driving and then all the way down to Six Flags Great Adventure? How far is it? Uh, it's about an hour and a half from me. In New Jersey? No, there's more than one, Ryan. There's life outside of New Jersey. Come on, man. Because I, Darien I didn't Lake. know. I thought they, what is it called? Darien Lake. Okay. I thought Great Adventure was only the one near me where I grew up in New Jersey. I know there's a lot of Six Flags. Yeah, Darien Lake, Six Flags. I, I don't know. I think it's Great Adventure. Anyway, the point is, okay. I'm not going to be here tomorrow. That's the reason why the one I'm I not streaming. Work. Jeez. Okay. I work there. My, my book okay. isn't good enough. The the amusement park I go to isn't good. What is ever good enough for you, Ryan? It's unbelievable. You just didn't name it, right? Um, <laughs> all right. See, well, so I want to hear more about your trials and tribulations. Yeah. So, We're not getting you so off the hook. All, I want to hear all, all about your craft quest journey. It's and all the fact done. that you videotaped it, right? No, I didn't video tape any of it. Oh, it would have been a lot of like your name and cussing probably <laughs> during the video. That'd be great though. No, it's all it's all done. Merged to master. I'm just doing some final tests and I'm going to deploy it. 
So I would say that I haven't gained, I haven't started to to realize the benefits yet because other than just the, the local development environment experience, which yeah. I think is superior, but I did have to, I added something with some JavaScript and I realized like, oh, like this is like so much easier, more manageable. Talking about earlier where we're kind of like, where you're bridging the divide between server rendered and the JavaScript stuff. Uh, it just makes it so much easier. So that's been, it kind of forces you into a certain way of working. But the, honestly, the biggest benefit that I got out of this whole thing was just rethinking a lot of the project and the structure, how I was doing things. Mm. And just re, like, I just revamped so much stuff. I touched so much template code in this, but it's going well. I'm, I'm glad that it's done. I added, I added a lot of done additional work. Yeah. Yeah, or at least done to where I can say, okay, now I can just go back to just fixing bugs and improving things, adding features. But yesterday I started redesigning some of the pages because I was doing, so I ran into some performance stuff when I was testing on the staging server and I decided that I needed to obviously optimize. And part of that optimization was, was making better content choices. What was the being displayed? Hmm. How much of it was being displayed? And so that way, does someone really want 50 video courses listed on the same page at the same time? Probably not. They probably don't mind paginating through or, or doing a load more or something like that. So there's just there's just certain things that I, I did yesterday to optimize things. So it's much snappier even than when I last showed you a little screenshot of what I was doing. And this was always a problem, right? It was just masked by caching or something? or Yeah, definitely masked by caching and a good hosting environment. So it was just a matter of just basically I had to pay that debt. And part of it was, you know, I think we talked about this last time where I MVP'd this thing a little over three years ago, built it up in just a few months. And the goal was to to launch it, get the material out there, start the business. And I'm I'm just been having to to pay back some of that technical debt that I created for myself. And that's just uh, that's where I'm at. So I'm so, excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to have it done. So I don't want to recap everything that we already talked about this, but you're you're primarily doing this so that you have a more modern and stable base upon which to build a number of features that you want to build, right? Like that's the the impetus. Yeah, for exactly. Yeah. There's all sorts of all sorts of stuff on the site that needs to be improved in terms of the flexibility of the user interface, the reactivity of it, just so it's it has a, a better, snappier feel, less like a, just a big rendered page, right? which is kind of what it was before. Right, because it so, was kind of an MVP uh, and you were getting up and running and that, yeah. that's fine. Like we, we do that all right, the time. Right, the cobbler's yeah. children has no shoes, right? Like you're- That's the so worst mixed metaphor I've ever- yeah. <laughs> So anyway, it, it's been really good. I've been kind of cranking on it pretty hard for, well, this week for short, last week and this week. And then just a lot of like evenings work on it. So it's kind of been my evening project. So biggest, it's good to have. give me the top two biggest frustrations with doing this conversion. I think anytime you adopt a new structure for a project and you're not yet familiar with it, but you're just kind of jumping in, it can be frustrating as you're trying to sort out where things go, how to approach, where do I add this code? Or if I have to import this module, how do I, I do that here and then here? Like, so that was an initial frustrating but part, but now I'm really comfortable and familiar with that. So you were in a new city and didn't know how to get to the 7-Eleven, but now now that you figured out how to get to all those places, you're, yeah. you're pretty good. Yeah. And you didn't really have a map. I mean, I guess, huh. or you didn't have like a phone with GPS that would tell you where you were and how to get somewhere. <laughs> Although I did have to call and phone a friend. I did have to phone you a couple of times to ask, hey, I would bang my head up against something long enough to where I wasn't just giving up too early, but I, I was really actually, I was being stubborn by not asking. And for so anyone who's listening, trust me, like I made Ryan prove to me 
that he had really bashed his head into something. Like, I, I wouldn't even talk to him unless we're on a video call and he had big marks on his forehead. And into something. <laughs> but it was good. I mean, it's really nice. It feels good to move the whole project forward in terms of the foundation that it's on with the, right. with the build system. It worked great. I used a serve serve.host for the hosting for the site yep and just had to update just some config and serve so it, it would run npm run build and and that it, it, i could point it at the the directory yeah this is know, the, the part that directory. you kept on complaining about to me before why you didn't want to do it is because but i didn't want to read the project yeah, it actually structure. ended up being yeah it actually ended up being not that actually was not yeah you just changed one work. path right that I thought it was going to be the work yeah. that I thought it, that that I didn't know was once I got in there and started optimizing things and mm. and restructuring things that I started to see all my old work come up. I'm like, oh man, I, now I can't I can't ship this with this. I have right. to. Right. I'm sure everyone can relate that you you go back and look oh, at totally. your old code and you're just like, oh, why was I lazy when I did this? Why why past Ryan? Why you know what I mean? I do that. But I don't say past Ryan. I say past Andrew. Yeah, well, that would be kind of weird if you said past Ryan. But I do yeah. try to do that. Like, I actually make an effort to, if I catch myself taking what might be a shortcut, I try mm -hmm. to say, I, I really try to not do it because it's one of those long-term pain things. You know, if it's any code that has any kind of life cycle and I'm going to be living with it for a while or, or anyone's going to be living with it for a while, I do my best to not do that. Now, you can't always do it because a lot of times when you're writing stuff you don't know what you don't know and you don't know that you're doing something that architecturally may not end up being the best way to do it but whenever right. i am consciously aware of it i try my best to be as kind as i can to future andrew <laughs> that is that is good advice you should be i wouldn't yeah and i'm not mad at myself for my previous decisions like the, i i did them for a reason and with a certain intent but yeah but it was time to, to pay up and right. so i did right Right. And that's the thing is you always pay. So whenever you yeah. save five minutes here or 10 minutes there by kind of half-assing something that you know you could do in a better way, you will pay. Mm -hmm. like you will pay. Yep. Like, or if not you, somebody else, right? At some point, someone is going to pay. So real quick, I'm getting a lot of flack from Caroline about the Six Flags Great Adventure. Okay. She says it is not Great Adventure. There Thank is you. a Six Flags that we're going to in Darien Lake and we're going to have a great adventure there, Ryan. Oh, okay. now, you're just, now you're just changing after the fact. Yeah. That's not what you said. You said Six Flags Great Adventure. Six Flags Great Adventure is in Jackson, New Jersey. I'm just implying well, we're going to have a great adventure. From where I grew up and where I worked on Splashwater Falls in between listen, man, high school and college, maybe. I don't know. Listen, listen, I edit this podcast and you're never going to notice it, right? It's going to be perfect. I'm, it, I'm going to say Six Flags and have a great adventure. Okay. It's just going to be like spliced in there and you're going to sound silly trying to correct me because it's going to, I'm retroactively going to fix it. You know what I'm saying? But she knows. Ka Caroline said Six Flags Great Adventure is like 11 hours from you. Thank you, Caroline. No, I'm going to convince you, you both. I'm going to convince you both that you're crazy. Oh my gosh. So the next time that we do this stand up, you're going to have yes. your new craft quest is going to be deployed. You're going to have yes. the, your new platform good to go. It's going to be using Vite and you're, you're going to be thrilled that you've got something you can iterate on quicker to add features to the site. Yeah, I'm going to actually rewrite the whole thing in React. Okay. No, I mean, that's reasonable. It'll be a fun side project. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, you got some time? of the projects that I, and this is relating to what we are saying before, some of the projects I have coming up are going to be Nuxt sites. I am waiting nice. for Nuxt 3 to come out, which is supposed to be August. Now they pushed it back to September, the beta of Nuxt 3. And the NY Studio 107 site is the first one. I'm going to redo it in Nuxt 3. I'm using that as a test bed for Nuxt 3 because it's a beta. But I'm, I'm moving the, the, the JavaScript direction for a lot of these sites. Awesome. That sounds good. It's, yeah. uh, that's that's going to be in beta in September, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be. I mean, originally it was supposed to be August. Nux 3 would be in beta, but now it's September. But I, And I'm doing it for similar reasons that Patrick and Jonathan did it. I want to be using one language in all the places. And I want to be using these front-end frameworks that let me do all sorts of fancy stuff. And, yep. you know. And it's important go? to hedge a little bit with the technology that you... If you know something, it's important yep. to hedge by learning another thing that is also very popular because yeah. things change fast and the industry that we work in is very very different than the one that i started in 20 years ago yeah so well we're building full-blown applications like a lot of the sites we're building for clients may not be but right. others might be and understand that this is not going to be full-on client-side javascript for this site i'm either going to be doing a server-side pre-render so basically just shipping static html pages jamstack style or i'm going mm -hmm. to be doing the uh, server pre-render from Vercel, which is basically very similar except that it's essentially like doing php with a fast cgi cache basically whenever the cache is busted it will render it on the edge otherwise it delivers the static html and the only javascript code is whatever is needed to actually run in the browser and all the other stuff just stays client side either way so i'm going to be ended up doing that one other thing real quick we got to go because we're running over time yeah. are you going to dot all the dot all conference which is at the end of september are you going to go right I'm not going this year, All right. Um, but I I hope that a lot of people are if they're able to travel and, and do it safely and, and take their own measured risks. But no, but I'm, I'm eagerly awaiting information about if there's a way to participate remotely. Okay, and now I feel that I can't stand the name dot all, Ryan. Like I know it's a, a clever double entendre in that there's a dot yeah. all in craft that you use very often with queries and they want to be inclusive. So it's dot all like I get it, but I hate yeah. having to do this. Every time I talk about dot all, I have to say dot all the craft CMS conference. Cause there may be some people listening that have no idea what it is from the name. Oh, dot so yeah. dot all is a conference for craft CMS developers. Yep. I wish it was craft dot all or something like that. You know what I mean? Like that, even that something, something with it in there. You know, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, uh, a conference names. There's always they can they always have like a their own flavor. Yeah, but there, there's another conference that's running in the same city around the same time frame called Vue.js Global. Do you know what that's about, Ryan? Do you have uh, any idea what that's about? About viewfinders and cameras. Yeah, I'm not sure. Right, right, right. My point is, anytime I'm talking about dot all to anybody, I have to be like dot all. And then I have to qualify it. And I say, the Craft CMS conference. You know what I mean? I don't know. You waited the whole this whole episode to complain about the name of a conference. No, I actually just thought of it on the fly, which is kind of <laughs> sad. So you're not going to Dot All. I'm not. I am going to decide whether I'm going when I get back from my vacation in Cape Cod. Mm -hmm. I think the odds are probably good that I'm not going to go. Primarily, you didn't list your reasons. You're just being mysterious. But my reasons would just be that I'm, I'm, I'm fully vaccinated. And I'm not worried about that. It's more just it's a short conference. It's probably going to be pretty expensive to get over there and stay there for the short conference. Mm -hmm. 
And there's an off chance that I could get stuck somewhere, you know, if there's some kind of a Delta variant lockdown. I'm not, I'm honestly not that worried about that aspect of it. And also we're just getting back from a vacation. Like, I, I don't really know that I'm yeah. going to want to sit on a plane the, for seven hours wearing View a mask. Conference, you know? Is the VIEW conference after? Yes. Or? October oh. 1st to the 4th, I believe. So if so I so go. You could, uh, you could double dip and just yes. go do both. If I go, it will be for both conferences and I will be there for the whole time. That's correct. But And, and here's the other thing. Part of it is that I don't know if I want to be on a plane for seven hours or whatever it's going to be wearing a mask. You know what I mean? And I, I fully yeah. support wearing masks in public. I'm just saying like for my, I just don't feel like doing it. And then mm-hmm. if the entire conference and, and not just dot all, but also this Vue.js conf, I'm assuming they're going to be responsible and require that everyone wear a mask and all that. I'm not sure I want to sit mm-hmm. through the whole conference wearing a mask. This is just me personally, right? I, I, I think everyone that wants to go to the conference 100% should, right? It's going to be a fantastic totally. conference. When I think about the idea of wearing a mask for that long on the flight over and then for the entire duration there and then the entire trip back, part of the lazy old me is just like, I'd rather just sit on the beanbag and I'll catch up on it in the news, find out what happened, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, what are your reasons? Why are you not going? Oh, I mean, just the, I mean, there's pandemic part. Me and my family haven't traveled a ton. And so that's the priority. If I'm going to be traveling, I'm going to be doing it with them. And that, yeah, those are the, those those are the two main things. It's a lot of travel from the U.S. for two days, but I think it's cool that the, one of the things I like about Dottal, especially when it's in Europe, and especially this time, is it looks like it's majority European-based speakers, which is great to get a, uh, it's one of the great things about the craft community is that, and I see it even in my own people in the craft quest community and subscribers, is that they're all over the world, but there's tons in Europe. And so it's nice to see in the perspective from there as well and see people speak. Yeah, but that's that's really it. And for everyone who's watching on the live stream, Tyler is behind me. And Ryan, or sorry, uh, Ben Croker is saying, you know, where's Tyler's tip? I can't hear him. He's muted. Yeah, Tyler is behind me, just <laughs> mocking me the entire time that we're doing yeah. this. So we got to We got to go. And he's again, I, I'm still kind of up in the air as to whether I'm doing dot all or not. I wish everyone yep. well. I wish Pixel and Tonic well. I hope the conference is amazing. You know, I don't know if I'm going to go or not. Not a big deal either way, but we'll see. Yep. I mean, part of me wants to travel. Part of me wants to go. And I, there are lots of people I would like to see again. I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, go check out the, the list of speakers and the topics and the workshops there's going to be a workshop on commerce and a workshop from ben croker on is it optimization is that what ben's doing yeah he's doing optimization yep yeah yeah all right well that about wraps it up workshops are great because we're happy sorry go ahead I just can't take Tyler mocking me this much. So that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmo.fm podcast. To have every episode sent to you, subscribe to us via RSS feed. Check us out on YouTube if you want to be notified whenever we go live with one of these live streams. I love it when people can participate and start to ask questions in here. And don't worry, I will take care of Tyler and send him to his room. Thanks for coming on, Ryan. Goodbye. Hi. You can do finally. Oh, he snuck his way in there. <laughs> Unbelievable. Next Tyler's tip's gonna be good. Go ahead. Unbelievable. Yes! This kid.
You should lock your barn door. Did you stop screaming? 